blessing to me to be able to hear from those uh, in our congregation about the significance of these songs and what they mean to them. And I have my own song that I want to uh, talk about here in just a couple minutes. But before I do that, I do want to give a brief message. And I was trying to think through, what do I talk about this morning? You know, we've been working our way through, as you know, through the New Testament all year. And we are getting deeper and deeper into Revelation, uh, which, as you know, is not always the easiest of passages or scripture or books to try to uh, make our way through. And I said, well, do we really want to dive into Revelation on December 26th? So I thought, well, maybe we could just jump off of that bandwagon and we could just talk about something more Christmassy, if you will, and just kind of talk through that a little bit. I don't know. Just, uh, you know, reflect a little bit more on the manger and on Joseph and Mary. And then it dawned on me that I didn't actually have to make a choice at all. We could do both of those things. And the way that we can do both of them is talking about the Christmas story that's found in the book of Revelation. How many of you are familiar with that particular Christmas story? Most of us know Matthew. Most of us know Luke. But most of us probably do not know the Christmas story that is found in Revelation 12. And there's probably a good reason for that. Because it's a little bit of an odd Christmas story. Now, I'm not actually going to read Revelation 12 because I'm going to be pastorally sensitive to the fact that there are some children that are in here, right? Usually the Christmas story is exactly what you want kids to hear. Well, I'm not going to read it. If you want to, and I would encourage you to, read it on your own. Uh, but I will give kind of a basic uh, children's overview of this story. John continues to describe a vision that he is having. And in the vision, a woman appears and the moon is under her feet. She's clothed with the sun. And on her head is a crown with 12 stars. And she is pregnant. Really, really pregnant. In fact, basically, John tells us she is in labor. We can hear her screaming and her cries uh, of the labor that she is in. And in the midst of that appears a red dragon who has seven heads and who has crowns and horns. And when the dragon appears, he sweeps a third of the stars in the heavens onto the earth. The dragon is unhappy that a baby is about to be born. And then the baby, John tells us, is born. And this is a baby, John says, that is going to rule all the nations with the rod iron. And right after the baby is born, the dragon wants the baby, but God protects the baby and takes the baby as his own. And the mother is protected and goes out to a wilderness and is nurtured there. And then over the next two chapters or so, there is this cosmic battle between the red dragon and between uh, two other beasts, one of the sea and one of the land, and between them and between God and his creation. It's this kind of battle royale as they go back and forth until finally, finally, God is victorious. Merry Christmas, everyone. 
So this is a very unique Christmas story. Uh, it's unique. Uh, for one thing, of course, you have all this kind of remarkable symbolism, right? You have the woman, and there's lots of, this is the most nebulous of the characters in this vision. Who is this woman? Some would suggest uh, that, she is, uh, that she is Eve, actually, found from a Genesis, uh, or kind of a, re- a reference back to Genesis 3 in the battle between Eve and the serpent. Others would suggest that she's Mary, And still others would say that she's actually Israel or the followers of Jesus. So we're not for sure about the woman. There's lots of different ways to try to understand it. The baby is Jesus. That's why this is a nativity story. It's great. The baby is understood to be Jesus. The serpent then, or the dragon I should say. John tells us this himself. We don't have to guess The dragon is Satan, all those things which keep us separated from God. So, what is the point of this particular Christmas story? Why should we even know about this particular Christmas story? How many of you are familiar with this lovely Christmas story? How many of you share this every Christmas Eve night? I didn't ask Barb whether or not her German ancestors always brought this one up or not. No, this was not the one that you guys talked about. Why even talk about this at all? Why not stick with what is familiar and with what is comfortable? Of course, for that exact same reason. Which is that far too often the story that we tell about the manger and about the shepherds, about Joseph and Mary, has become remarkably familiar and comfortable to many of us. And when it becomes so familiar and comfortable, it's easy for it to begin to have nothing to say for us to us, and it's easy for it to not have an impact on us at all. I mean, have you ever thought about the fact that here's the story, there's a reason why King Herod wanted to go on a rampage against every child two years old and under. And it was not because Jesus looked so doggone cute in that manger. The reason why he went on this rampage, the reason why there is this cosmic battle, is because of the fact that Jesus, we're saying that Jesus was God. And any time, any time you try to say something is God, any time you try to say that, and it questions our own desires because we want to be gods, there is always a battle. The birth of Jesus was saying, no, 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 what's going to rule the world is not power and violence, but rather love and grace. And whenever that happens, that's always going to cause a kerfuffle. That is always going to cause a battle. Because of the fact that Jesus said that we need to love our neighbors, that's fine. We might be able to do that without battle. But when Jesus said we also need to love our enemies, that's a whole different world. Even in our world, try to get together with those, if you're all in the same boat, you're all in the same party, or you all believe in the same thing, and all of a sudden you begin to say, hey, you know what, we really should love these other people who we are constantly railing on. We really should love these people who really bother us and annoy us. Guess what? You will not get invited back to that particular party. There is a constant battle, and you see what happens when we remember that, when we look at Revelation 12, it helps us to begin to see the Christmas story a little bit differently. As Eugene Peterson likes to say, it helps to make sure that the Christmas story does not just become something overly sentimentalized or domesticated. 
It is very easy for us to make the Christmas story nice and fuzzy, which means that, of course, we then also make it nice and fuzzy and cozy, the whole birth of Jesus. The problem with that is it then helps us to begin to think that following Jesus should be nice and cozy and comfy. And that is not the case. If you were the churches to whom John was writing this, describing this vision, they knew this was not the case. They were suffering and persecuted and dying because they were following Jesus. They had no fear for them of making the story of Joseph and Mary and baby just something very comfortable. No, no, no. They were living out what it meant to actually believe that. And because of it, they were suffering. So when they heard this rendering from John, they said, amen. That is so true. It is a cosmic battle. But 2,000 years later, we're in a very different context. The truth is, for us, oftentimes, in our own faith journey, we make this story and our own faith into something that is incredibly comfortable, so comfortable, in fact, that we just kind of roll it out whenever it is convenient, whenever it is that we need something, whenever it is that we want to feel good about something. It's a little bit like the nativity scene, you know, that we roll out at the beginning of December maybe, and you, and you, you kind of take it out and you place it at just the right place, and it's wonderful, and it gives you good goosebumps, and you just love it, and then, and then just about the time that Christmas is over, then you package it up and you put it away again. 